We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast, as I'm Pranky CPK, and as always, joined by BSJ as my co-commentator. We got plenty of competitive Dota 2 to talk about. Not only the major wrapping up, but there's some roster updates coming out. And oh, by the way, a decent sized patch also happening. Hours, literally an hour, if that, after the major concluded. So we'll give our insight there as well. But most importantly, we are going to be joined by a special guest on today's podcast as well. He'll be joining us in just a little bit. But Nahaz, the stat man himself, is going to be joining us and talking the major as well and give his insight, of course, on uh, what he thought took place there. So excited to be here as always. BSJ, how you doing, buddy? Am I not muted today? I think we're good. Nice. Okay, I even checked to make sure (laughs) in the settings itself I wasn't going to have to check later, but hype. Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm honestly super excited about the patch. Uh, I got to watch a few games of the finals for the Dream League Major. It was overall just a pretty exciting major, I would say. And I'm just going to say right now, you know, no spoilers about the patch. Like, I just love everything they changed about the patch. I thought, like, I've been hyping up 7.23 for a little while now. And I think there were some innate flaws, you know, just the general balance of what was previously in the game, uh, such as like the GPM talents and stuff. And I think that they just did such a perfect job of figuring it all out, how like the new neutral items and the outposts are going to fit 
with the rest of the rules of the game. And I, and I'm like actually super excited to continue trying out 7.24. So, uh, and there's also like so much going on right now. I was like, <laughs> usually every week with you, I'm like, yeah, like we're, we're going to have something to talk about. Yeah. Right. But this week there's just so much. So I, I'm looking forward to this podcast. We also, like you said, have a really fun guest. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. It's we, we try to at the most keep these podcasts to a, to an hour. Really? That's our maximum limit. You know, but as you pointed out, there's some content here today, so we'll see, but we'll try to keep it around there uh, at the very most. But yeah, you already talked about the patch. We will be discussing that more uh, later on as well. But of course, starting with the major and it wrapping up and I a hundred percent agree with you off the bat. I mean, it was, it was entertainment, man. The, this major, the group stages we talked about in the last week's podcast show as well. Uh, it started off pretty solid obviously we had some very unique results on top of some great series being played out so it was a good tease there and it kept it going really throughout these playoffs all the way through a five game best of five finals uh, we we do not get a lot of those in the grand finals of these major tournaments of course so but in the end in case you aren't aware still somehow team secret of course defeating evil geniuses three games to two in that grand final series. So several talking points to go over here. We'll start at the top. We got Team Secret winning it all. They did not play in the first cycle, of course. So technically their first major of the season in that sense. But uh, I, I think it's safe to say a pretty strong start for Team Secret. And they certainly looked good. They they only dropped, I want to say, two games going into the grand finals throughout the groups and even the playoffs themselves. So um the drafts were just great all around, of course. And I think Nisha, especially in my mind, at least stepped up big time as a true uh, core player for the squad. But uh, yeah, Team Secret looking good, BSJ. Uh, very rarely have we had somebody that just steps up from like a tier three, tier two team and just is just consistently baller. Like they're just really good. And Nisha is just that X factor. I think that puppy has been looking for all these years, you know, not to take away from mid one, obviously a world-class player, but Nisha, uh, he really gives me the Sumail TI5 vibes where he just, hmm. there's games where you think the draft's going to go a certain way and Nisha just crushes his lane. And you're like, oh, he's level seven and the opponent mid's level five. And these are like tier one mid players. It's not as if he's in a qualifier beating up on tier three, tier two mid laners. And I, I, I just, no, I don't think anybody is surprised by Secret winning. Uh, I mean, we talked about Vici. We also, you know, we predicted Secret placing highly. Yeah. Uh, but in no way is anybody shocked that that they won. Uh, I was really happy from a Tumba man. You could tell his emotions in the interview at the end, where even he just mentioned that there's validation that he wasn't the problem on uh, X Team Liquid. You know, as much as there's memes that go around about that kind of stuff, you have to imagine it does get into somebody's head. And, sure. And it's cool to see that genuine emotion come out from a player like that. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing his almost relief, you know, as, as in the in the after series interview. Um, just to segue into, you know, what our topic is. Uh, you know, you, the next question we ask ourselves is how do we feel about EG? You know, what, what about the team that was ahead two to one going <laughs> yeah. into the, the grand or in the grand finals had to win one of the last two games. And I've said that EG's had the consistent problem that they're really good at like one or two strategies. And eventually uh, the best teams in the tournament figure them out. And usually it's been to get third place. It's actually just their bread and butter, the staple of how it always goes with EG. And I think this tournament shows that they have a higher skill ceiling this year than they did last year. 
they made it all the way to the third game of the finals that it took Secret to figure out. Heen even said in the finals interview, you know, how much changed in their eyes of the meta just from that best of five. And I, I, you could just tell in the last two games, even though EG was up two to one, that Secret just dissected their drafts. Like you could just tell that they knew exactly what to expect. And they just, the last two games weren't close. You know, Secret just yeah. pummeled them. So even though it was a three to two series and EG was up two to one, uh, Secret to me was the convincingly better team. And so moving forward for EG, it's like, I think they took a step in the right direction, but I don't know if it's Bulba. I don't know what it is that they have this issue where they're just so good at like one or two things. And people are like, oh, let's ban the Abed Storm Spirit first round. And then they just look like a completely different team once you take out one or two of their core heroes uh, for whatever meta it is. You know, that one tournament it was Terrorblade, then Arc Warden, and then it's Storm Spirit this tournament. It just seems like no matter what their roster is, it's consistently that. Uh, so for me, it's nice to see that they got a little bit better of a finish. They were so close, but it's still the same shit. Like uh, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's how about all I got. So yeah. feel free to elaborate. Well, <laughs> I, know I, I, talked for a while. I you know I we we haven't been uh, quiet on this topic in terms of EG and you know needing to get it done right. It's it's when is enough talk enough? You know for a team that has never won a major. And has had fairly disappointing results to an extent. Again, third place, not the craziest, not the worst results ever for a major tournaments. But we know with, with the hype of this team and, and who's on them and shape shuffling the roster from season to season, trying to make those changes to then win it all. Uh, and they just keep coming up short. So to their credits, like you said, they were up two to one in the grand finals, were on the verge, but close does not cut it. In the end, they finish runner-up. Again, a very good result. But, I mean, you also look at the big picture of this tournament, and it's this is a team that almost didn't make it to the winner portion of the playoffs from the group stages. We can't forget that. It was a three-game series against yeah. Liquid. Could have gone the other way easily. Then they get in the winners. They had a great victory over Enigma to start things off. And then, of course, got 2 nothing by Vici, which then knocked them down. So, I mean, they played a lot of games in this tournament uh, and had to go 2-1 against Invictus Gaming, did 2-0 against Alliance, and then eventually another 2-1 against Vici. So it's I'm in, I'm in this spot. It's like I don't want to sit here and continue to say, you know, see, they didn't win the major. I mean, Secret's a very good team. Arguably could be the best in this year. We'll wait and see. But at the same time, it's they, they continue to get so close and just about get there and then just fall short at the very end. So in that, that game five draft, going back to what you're saying, too, as far as the series and especially those last two games, man, especially that game five, ultimately getting uh, Abed on Viper and going this Drow Viper strategy kind of just pulling that out of what seemed like nowhere. And, you know, Underlord also a hero that honestly wasn't necessarily that good at this event. Win percentage-wise, they try to rely on him as well. In theory, again, it's on paper. It's one of these that can, maybe can make sense. But to, to bust that out kind of as a last-minute game five, everything's on the line here. It just felt like they ran out of steam and Secret took full advantage of that. So, again, runner-up. I can't say I'm disappointed if I'm EG necessarily, but at the same time, I kind of am, right? Because <laughs> you were so close. Yeah, uh, just brief comments on it. it. It appears their group was quite competitive. You know, Team Liquid ended up getting, I believe, sixth, right? Like yes. Fifth, sixth. Uh, so obviously the team that they barely beat to get in the upper bracket uh, ended up getting top six. So three three teams from that group proving to be quite strong. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I just said, like, how, how good of a roster do you need to have to win? I, it's There's a lot of teams, you know, for instance, Team Liquid. Very impressed that they got top six. Like, I'm happy for that team. But then you just look at the roster of EG, and you're like, just win one. Just, like, like what's it take? Like, if you guys, five, like, some of the five best players in the world can't string together a major win, what is wrong? Like, it's just yeah. funny to think, like, of all the teams in the world, there's not very many that you are just like, they should freaking win one, you know, like uh, they should win. And uh, EG just somehow keeps coming up short. So uh, it is quite a marvel. Yeah, we've talked it about is. it on numerous podcasts. I, I still, it really is a phenomenon to me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, don't know. There's three more majors left. And then of course the ultimate major and that being TI after that. So in a sense, they kind of have four more chances this season to really make this roster and show. And, of course, the ultimate is T.I., right? Like, even if they don't win any major in the regular season, T.I. is what matters in the end. So, it comes through there, then that's – everything's forgotten. You know, EG is who they are. But, yeah, for, for, for the roster and everything, it's they, – they, they need to. They really just need to win one of these majors, if not be a T.I. at the end. It's, it's almost like – in a sense, it is kind of unfair to say that, but I go back to it's like there, there's that part of me that thinks it's a little unfair, but then there's that part of me, man. This is an organization that hypes itself up as they deservedly, as they deserve it to an extent, but in the fan base is huge. We know the players are all very, very skilled players. Uh, just something about this, this hump, the term that we use. They can't get over it. But, okay, so you mentioned Liquid versus Alliance, actually. Uh, again, Liquid actually getting knocked out in that fifth, sixth place spot to Alliance. And that's uh, the, the kind of the next uh, topic there as far as some fun series that really stood out throughout this tournament. And for me, that was actually certainly one of them. And I, I even tweeted about this earlier today. It's, it's fun how this is really turning into quite the rivalry, in my opinion, with Liquid versus Alliance. You know, we got some great storylines there. The old Alliance versus the new Alliance. Uh, these European players that have been played against each other for a very long time in general, individually. And uh, Liquid defeated Alliance in the previous major. Now Alliance defeating them here in this major. And at the end of the day, they actually are tied in DPC points after the first couple of cycles at 1,800 points. So uh, and I think it's actually in that fifth, sixth place spot, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, But yeah, this series, it played out very well. Again, ultimately 2-1 Alliance uh, in the end, but certainly one that... As a fan, especially of Liquid, no, no secret there. Um, I was, uh, I was excited to see. And again, Liquid just coming off their TNC victory prior to that. Speaking of a team that, uh, you know, may, maybe did as I kind of expected in the end. We'll say that. Yeah, he definitely called uh, TNC's performance overall. Uh, the most notable thing for me, uh, I think a, a lot of things that like of the good series everyone for the most part people saw them or they can go watch them see the two ones like the lions team liquid series the egig series um there are a lot of two ones uh in this tournament and uh at least in the lower bracket and the first round of the upper bracket uh, you know the later stages of the upper bracket were not so close uh but the big thing for me that i highlighted last week that i was really wrong about that was kind of cool was i was really skeptical about the quality of the bottom eight you know, uh, coming out of the group stage. And it actually turns out that uh, the first round of the lower bracket, the the first round of best of threes, uh, three out of four of the lower bracket teams actually won. The only team that dropped down from the upper bracket that won was the, was IG. Oh, wow. uh, Fnatic, Navi, and Team Nigma all lost their first round of, of the lower bracket. So three of the 
top uh, upper bracket teams dropped out in 9 through 12. So I thought that that was probably my interesting stat for, for the tournament. I thought that that was pretty surprising to me. Uh, obviously, Team Liquid going all the way to 6th. Uh, that that's quite a good run comeback for them after going dropping down in the group stage. And uh, I mean, even just teams like Fnatic, you know, you talk about EG, you talk about the disappointments of not winning. I mean, Fnatic's about the most all-star lineup you can have from the SCA region. And they're just getting, I think they got bottom four first major, I think. And now they got ninth through 12th. I mean, yeah. Dota's a weird game, man. Uh, <laughs> Notice that that's that's my only comment when I see stuff like that. You know, yeah. it really is an anomaly of sorts to see that good of players just consistently place that poorly. And maybe that speaks that highly of the, the level of competition we see nowadays. I was also really excited to see Beast Coast, you know, make it past the ninth through twelfth threshold. Yeah, that's a team that I I think everyone loves watching. I, I despite the fact that they are kind of consistently in the middle of the pack around eighth place in these tournaments, TI, they did the same thing last major. I think they did the same thing. Um, they're just the funnest team to watch. I think they're, they're there's games where they're just like playing so sloppily and they're beating like tier one, tier two teams. And I'm like, how the hell are they able to get away with so many mistakes? But while they're making mistakes, so much is going on around the map and, uh, that ends up working out for them that even though it looks almost stupid, uh, it's actually working really well. So uh, I, I think my big thing about the current patch and the balance of this major, and we talked about the overall quality of the games being pretty high, is there's just very differing play styles between the best teams. And I think that that even like top eight, you know, when I say best teams, I, I think that the drastic uh variance in play style is really cool I, I just think that that's just overall really good for the entertainment value of the game and just the quality of games to watch just to know that every series is going to be different based on what teams you're watching and i think that's really cool yeah i mean beast coast again defeating nigma in two to one in that series certainly a, a great result and and i was kind of i was re helping refresh my memory too looking back at a couple of these matches here and i again stick with team liquid fan of them i happen to watch them but um their first game against Virtus pro in the losers bracket <laughs> oh my god that was the amazing hold by boxy and taiga oh that yeah that game they, like, they, okay, they remind me here. yeah they they somehow held it was a slaughter, Dark Willow. After, by the way, they were up like 35,000 net worth, the liquid was, and yet they were on the verge of losing the game because I got to say it, another throw that almost happened. So I wasn't happy from that perspective, even with their victory. But again, winning is all that matters in the end. But yeah, that was probably one of the most epic moments of the tournament, certainly. Um when it came to uh, when it came to that right there, so uh, Liquid though again not only winning that, but then that led them all the way to that fifth sixth place finish here. So okay, so it looks like Nahas is actually uh, ready to join us. So uh, I'm gonna it's probably gonna cancel you out. I'm gonna do a new call. So let's do that okay. real quickly, and I'm gonna set that up, make sure we are good. Okay, join call. Okay, let's let's see. Let's get them in here. Looks like Nahaz is joining us. Can you hear me, Nahaz? Looking good so far. Can, can you hear me? We're I can good. hear you. I okay, can hear you good. great. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you great as well. Okay, if you yeah. stay with us here. Okay, I'm just making sure my production on the fly is looking good right here. Okay, we're good to go. Perfect. I did great things. Nahaz, welcome to the show, man. Welcome, sir. All right. 
Good to be on. Oh, okay. I've got I've got audio coming through. <laughs> I was gonna say you're a little. I've got delayed. audio coming through the Twitch stream and not through Discord. <laughs> That's odd. That's uh, All right. Uh, let's see if we can figure this Let out. Let me see if I can uh, okay. fix that. I'm a connoisseur of technological problems myself. <laughs> so. What is up with this, man? We thought we had it perfect with oh, it initially boy. today. And then go figure. You can hear me, right, BSJ? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, you can hear me fine. So it's, One second. Should have fixed this beforehand. Oh, gosh. It's amateur over here once again. No, but Nahaz will be joining us here audio-wise uh, shortly. But... Uh, again, this was an entertaining tournament. We had a plenty of great series to look back. And that's actually a really interesting point that you brought up with three of the four teams from the lower bracket uh, ultimately winning even that second series right there. Uh, kind of shows you that just because you go to the lower bracket initially doesn't necessarily mean uh, the end is there. But disappointing side of things. L let's talk about that for a second. <sighs> Feels like we, we, we good. Good stuff. Can you hear me? Yeah, good to go. OK, uh, cool. now you can. All <laughs> First right, try. First try. First try. No big deal. All right. Well, so yeah, go ahead. So I heard you guys talking about uh, about the major. I think I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on EG. Uh, this it, the tournament felt like a coming out party to me for the secret and EG rosters. Uh, I think BSJ mentioned earlier how you know Matumbaman really felt validated, and it you saw I think glimpses of Secret's ultimate play style with him, where they're going to have a lot of these flex picks that are that are core flex picks in their drafting, where. Uh, a particular hero like like a Leshrac or um, or a Morphling is going to be just so different depending on whether it's played by by Nisha or by Matsu, and that's the kind of thing that a drafter like Puppy is is really going to be able to exploit. And I think for EG, I, I think this was a coming out party for Ramses as an offlaner sure. because if if you looked at that team uh, throughout the one esports event in Singapore. You know, they looked good at times. Obviously, you know, they made the grand finals of that event, got swept out 3-0 by Vici, but Ramsey's was always kind of the question mark. And I thought that in this event, he he looked really good as an offlaner. And there's clearly a lot of trust between him and Artur. That's a, a pairing that's had a lot of respect for one another going back a number of years. And I, I think that's, when I look at EG, those other two cores need to be people that Artur really trusts for him to play that, uh, that sacrificial role. And I, I really like the potential of the CGTM. I, I know it's going to be a story uh, that they haven't won that valve event with this roster until they do. But I, I think there's way, way more positives you take out of this than negatives. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up about Ramsey's actually, because I certainly noticed that myself. I know that he played even a fair amount of, of something like an Omni knight, for example, a right. little bit more of that utility, not necessarily that core that's there to, you know, take over in the later game. I know he played a bit of enchantress as well. That may have that ultimately herself, but yeah, the Omni knight play and it, it certainly felt more comfortable. I think you're right when it came to that utility. So there were, there is, there's positives for EG. I mean, there is no denying Absolutely. that when it came to this tournament, again, finishing runner up to a team like team secret, not necessarily disappointing but it's it Nahaz isn't this just a thing though we constantly talk about this with EG it's like they just get so close every single time sure. we know the the skill is there and yes the Ramses is now the offland and he's still adapting to it as you mentioned he's getting better but when is enough enough man when, when can we sit here and say all right EG's a disappointment now 
Well, again, I mean, I, I think people underestimate just how difficult it is. Um, you know, these kinds of sustained successes. I know the, the story, we make the story about they haven't been number one, they haven't been the ones on the podium. But at the same time, I, I think a lot of people underestimate just how difficult it is to have the kind of sustained success over a period of years with different rosters that they've had. Um, and I'm, you know, look, Artur is going to win a valve event. He's, he's probably going to win a TI. I'm, I am not as concerned as I think a lot of others are. Um, I, I think this roster is probably uh, more likely to win a TI than, than their last one was, because quite simply, I think, I think all three of these core players in particular um, are, are capable of both playing sacrificially, somewhat sacrificially anyway, and, and also just carrying the game. And I, I still think, I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit later when we get into OG and, and Jerax in particular, but I still think Crit is, is one of the support players to ever play. The other thing about this event, though, this was unbelievably competitive. Sure. This is usually a time of year where there's such a gap between the teams that have it figured out and the teams that don't. If you look at last year at Chongqing, uh, there were 17 best of three or best of five series at, uh, at the main event, and only four of them went to the maximum number of games. And at this event at Leipzig, it was 12 out of the 17 went to the maximum number of games. And it just, the, the level of competitiveness, yes, secret for much of the event looked like the best team. Vici had a couple series where they looked like they may be dominant, but this was so much more competitive than you typically see for a major at this time of the season. My question would be, because I personally believe this myself, and I wonder what you think, is does that partially have to do with the patch, though? I think currently with Dota, the way that they've evolved the game over the course of time, what I noted about this tournament was, I, you know, I kind of just got done mentioning that everyone's just kind of playing a different version of Dota. Like every team really has their own interpretation. Yeah, some of the heroes are similar. There's always going to be, you know, the five or ten heroes that are just the best. But when you have these teams that like their their most signature heroes really define the way they play. Even when you said like the the fact that Secret has these flex picks, I just think it's so interesting that it's almost impossible if everyone's pretty good to take two games in a row off somebody because they're just going to present you with something you haven't played against before. And that's really hard to do in Dota. A lot of Dota is experience. So I'm asking you really, like, do you think that has anything to do with it? Do you think everyone's just getting better? What do you think the reason is for the, the whole set of 12 out of 17 series going to three games? Well, I think there's, I think there are a number of things you can point to. I don't think it's any one thing. I, I will say this, that um, I think, Every team has caught on to the idea after the last two, two TIs and seeing what OG um, has done. And even, you know, Puppy said as much straight out, you know, drafting is the most important part of the game right now. And teams understand that they have to be able to play. Uh, not only do they have to be able to draft well, but they have to be able to come in with um, a pretty good set of strats. You, you just can't do one thing and win anymore. And, and there's much more once, once everybody sort of figures that out, it, it's, it's weird. Once everybody realizes that drafting is so important, there's a premium placed on trying out different strats and scrims and it almost gets back to a point. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but it almost gets back to a point where then skill comes back in maybe even in a different way. And that's, it's just what I think is 
you know, Dota has become more and more compelling over time, which is, which is so rare. You know, I, I, I don't know that there's been a sport that I've followed or another esport title that I followed that over time, it, it just feels like it gets better strategically. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a that's a good way to put it, actually. I think, and kind of going back to this tournament as well. It's obviously it was the second of this uh, of the five cycles, but in some ways it was the first, right? Because we did have now secret. Oh, yeah. We had uh, Nigma in this case, who ultimately did qualify via the uh, the miners. Now, to be fair, both LGD and OG, as we know about them not uh, qualifying slash not playing still, but it definitely was a step up from the previous major. So uh, that certainly helped as well. I think of the entertainment value and the, the close games, et cetera. But now we got, uh, now we got a new patch by the way, which again, we'll talk about here just in a little bit more, but more adaptation and that that's what Dota is, is so good about. And, the teams obviously have to be aware of that. If you're going to be playing competitive, I mean, it's going to be shifting throughout the season um, when it, when it, when you go throughout it. So um, we've talked about EG disappointment. Maybe we've talked about the Corsica. Is there any teams in this tournament, Nahas, that just really stood out to you as ones that you, you learned something from and you're, you're happy to see? Um, I think liquid was the one that you have to talk about in terms of, you know, their players were very open about the fact that uh, their expectations coming into the event weren't necessarily high. Uh, I thought, you know, it, I thought the story blitz told on panel was amazing about how they, they got there and weren't necessarily feeling their best and insania paid to have Tyga's girlfriend fly out on his own dime. And that made such a difference in his mentality and was part of the reason why, you know, Tyga looked like a stud. And I'm not just yeah. talking about the Willow game. He really, he looked like he is ready to take that step alongside some of the best four position players on the planet. And that to me is the number one thing that liquid need to do to join that upper echelon of teams. They, you know, it is very hard to win Dota. Again, we'll talk about OG coming up. It's very hard to win Dota these days without a bona fide stud at the four position. And I think Liquid may just have that. On the other side, I as good as Vici Gaming looked, I have some serious questions about them. I don't think PYW is a four position player. I think he's a three. He's a natural three. That's what he's played a lot in pubs. That's what he's played so far in his career. I don't know that as the season goes on that he and DY are going to be able to replicate what we saw from fade and DY last year and, and make no mistake. That was the reason that Vici was so good. So that's kind of on the downside, as good as they looked in some of these games, I, I really need to see PYW slide a little bit more into that four position. Very interesting. I mean, it's for, and I've said it many, many times, and I'm sure you'd even agree. Whenever you have Ori and Paparazzi, now known as Eurus, though, it's you got those two cores, arguably the best duo core of any teams out there. It's, I feel like that's still going to be an allowance to succeed but if you're a team like Vici Gaming, but. It's interesting though, because every, like we all say that and, and my God, I mean, you, you look at the two of them play Dota and how could you not? Right. I mean, paparazzi was very nearly the first guy to 10 K MMR in the world. And he did it in China. That's just, that's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, if you've ever played pubs over there, it's a nightmare. I um, really want to someday, by the way. <laughs> you, no, no, you don't. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well. It's, it's, it, 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 it's like you, oh, it's, it's hard mode. It's, it's dark souls, Dota. <laughs> like, 
Wait, it's one or three? What, what, what are we talking about, Dark Souls here? Uh, fair enough. <laughs> well, uh, one pisses me off, but that's another topic. Um, no, I, I guess the point of Vici, that if you talk to the pros about Vici and what you need to do about Vici uh, to beat Vici, the guy that they talk about is Yang. Okay. And 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 last year, I just. I felt like Vici had entire tournaments, right? Obviously winning a back-to-back major and minor where they just, they cleanly outplayed everybody three through five. And that, like, you do that and you have decent cores and you're going to win. And I just don't necessarily, I, I, this is the point of year where I tend to look at teams more for their ceiling than where they are because all of the teams that get to TI, the teams that do well at TI, the teams that finish like 12th place at TI are going to be so much better than the teams that we see right now. I mean, these these teams improve so much throughout the season that I, I look for ceiling and I just question whether that's really there with Vici. I, I know it's there, by the way, for Alliance. This, ali- like, this Alliance squad, it, I think it's going to be a real factor. I, and, I, and I mean, I think we're going to be talking about them quite possibly as people putting them in their pre-TI top four. I, I think, you know, oh. We good? Yeah, my machine just sort of went dark there for a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I, I think Limp and Hoskin are playing. They've been around for a long time. Yeah. They've been, they are playing the best dota of their careers. 33 has really refined his offlane play. And, I mean, what can you say about Nico, right? He's... Yeah. He may be the kind of newcomer of the year this year. I was going to say, Nico Baby specifically, arguably the most improved newcomer, whatever award you want to give him in that sense. But yeah, just a newer player that came out, of course, last TI and this season has been a great carry for uh, a team like Alliance. I would agree with you there. Kind of going off what you were just suggesting, though, about a team maybe hitting their ceiling, uh, something that I was I was really adamant about after the first major TNC for me and they won the first major but just something about that team you know in a lot of ways that first major they did it off a couple of heroes the whole earth shaker uh you know the night stalker they had some great play within the position one for Gabby as well but this uh this cycle here not nearly as good of a performance they struggled in the groups they had a poor finish ninth through 12th place I believe it was um I I don't necessarily see or have high expectations for them moving forward do you agree I think TNC is really good and is going to be fine. I think this was, I think the writing was on the wall in terms of this event where uh, it's hard because they're a team. They're still relatively young. Um, they, they know that they're in TI, sure. right? They've qualified and it's, it's really hard to sustain that level of success. I mean, they brought in, it was Febby, I believe they brought in as a coach who, I think the read on that that I heard from a lot of people was it's more they they needed to find a way to kind of keep having fun and keep developing with each other and not not end the season pissed off at each other. Right. And that, that's when I when I, you talk about a team like Liquid, those little things like such and such a player is having a, a personal reason why they're not playing well. I mean, those are those are the kinds of things that fracture teams. And whenever you can use that as an opportunity to, to build those bonds instead, I think that's a, that's a huge, huge indicator of future success. I still think TNC is going to be fine. I am looking more at how they respond in the next major. I was, I did not expect much from them in this event and I'm, I'm fully ready to give them a pass for that. All right. 
okay, so we've already brought it up a couple times. Well, let's just transition into it. So here we go. Uh, OG had a couple of announcements these last couple of days, and there, there's one, one part of this that I want to bring up real quickly. And these announcements being made literally during even the finals of the major. Yeah. I found yeah. that a little odd <laughs> for the for the sake of, of them even as far as their announcement deserving its own attention. I feel like maybe they could have waited until today, but that's another story. Anyways, Anna announcing that uh, he is going to be no longer playing this rest of the season at least. He's going to be taking time off. Uh, Jerex, of course, the big announcement announcing his retirement uh, altogether from Dota 2. And just today, a couple hours ago, it feels like, uh, before coming on this podcast, Seb announcing that uh, he is stepping back as a player for the team and going to be more on the uh, the management side there, et cetera. So we're down to we're down to two players <laughs> for OG, and that that leaves us a very interesting spot them as well. Um, so overall thoughts and this news that's come out these last three days, really, uh, when it comes to OG Nahas. So, I mean, I, I, I want to let Brian respond to this because I, I think Jerax deserves a discussion all his own. This had the feeling, in terms of your comment about the timing, I think the timing was probably affected by TrueSight, which is happening tomorrow. Um, the big kind of celebration of their TI win. I think they felt some pressure to get some of this information out there and not you know, ambush people or take well, a, take anything away from that. Do you think that means, uh, by the way, not to cut you off, but do you think that means they may announce their new roster at TrueSight? Yeah, that? that's kind of what I was okay. wondering. Either that or, or have some kind of big announcement at TrueSight. It feels like it's setting up for something. Sure. Uh, it Look at it. It had the, it, this had the era, this had the sort of flavor of dominoes falling where, you know, without Ana especially, the remaining four guys, if they were to show up to TI with a fifth, it's like they're set up to fail because if they, if they win a third, it's like, great. But <clears throat> if you don't win, it's just such a letdown. Yeah. I, what I was going to say as my main thing is for what's been difficult for me to fathom about this whole thing is imagine being somebody in like such a competitive sport where you have nothing left to prove. Like how many people in the world and whatever they do can say that they've reached a point that there's really nothing left to prove. And like, uh, there's really nothing but downhill from here for them. Like you said, if they go to TI with a fourth or with a different fifth player, I think on a, like, I think every player on that team is a crucial X factor that defines why that team was the best team in Dota history. Like I don't not agree more. I don't think that team is the same. If you replace any single player on it. And I, I just, when I look at like Jerax's perspective, right, it's so hard to fathom what it's like to have that emotion of, wow, I've done it all. You know, I, if you look back at his history, uh, you know, coming in through stacks, going all the way to Asia and playing on MVP. Yeah, that's right. You know, his history is insane. And like what he's done Former to Han get player. where he is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I mean all, obviously some of the best players in the world are Han players. You know, we'll give you credit yeah, for that. Uh, but it, it's such a marvel. I mean, it's just crazy, man. Uh, like you said, he deserves his own story in the sense that, like, if you if you could really look through his eyes on the journey of what he's gotten to and, like, what else is there? And, it, it, you know, what toll that might have taken on him? You know, he kind of talked about in the article uh, that they posted about the mentality and how the competitive nature of Dota has taken away a lot of that 
purity to to the enjoyment of the game and and i really think there's i call this like a negative free roll like if they were to play ti this year that's actually a huge that's a great way of thinking about it yeah it's like you're not gonna be like if you win a third time whatever like actually whatever (laughs) but if you if you drop out bottom four man like Oh, they are going to end your career. Yeah. Like, is that yeah. what you, you know? Yeah, you're not going to walk away then. I mean, this that's like, that's like Tom Brady throwing a throwing a pick six in his last play in the NFL. Potentially, it's not you're, you're not he's not going to go out like that. And yeah. his OG, they're not going to go out like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, you know, I I definitely like I immediately thought of the whole dominoes falling thing. Like once Anna leaves, it's almost certain that someone like Jerax is you know he knows the writing on the wall in terms of what we just said about the reality of how important each player is to that team. And same thing with Seb. And I, you know, you talk about moving forward. This is about where they were TIA, like, you know, three months prior. Um, If there's anyone that can rebuild a team, it's no tail. And I think Thompson uh, has proved like, even though Thompson's already won two TIs, he hasn't had nearly the same journey that Seb and Jerax have had, right? Like that. He, he's two and oh ti he just showed up and won two ti's uh that's like his that's the extent of his competitive experience and i think even though he's one two it makes total sense that he's out of all of them one of the most hungry in it and uh you know no tail's just been a staple i i can't imagine dota world without him even though yeah. like i do respect jerax and seb immensely uh, i i do think no tail is just a pillar in the in the community well, he's, of he's a player's player i mean he's yeah. he's just there are so many things about about what it takes to play and succeed at this game in the long term that he just embodied absolutely uh, i think he is like he's just one of the what i would call like the perfect players like no team in the world would be upset about having no tail on their team and like yeah. That's a pretty crazy concept, right? To think that somebody can be like that in a game that is so like it, personalities can so easily conflict. You, you know, oh, so many little things can go wrong. In a, it's in a, the cruelest game. I I, I get you know just a, a couple of tweets recently. I got a lot of people contacting me saying, "Hey, you know, I'm I I, I relate to what you're saying. I I'm trying to get good at Dota. I'm trying. I really want to go pro." Dota is the cruelest game I've ever played, not even close. And it, it's it's just such a mental beating that you take playing this game long term. Uh, and 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 you know, so much of us identify with what No Tail's been through. Seb, look, Seb is one of the sharpest guys I've met anywhere. Uh, he's he was a great analyst uh, as talent for the short time that he did it. He was one of the best coaches in the history of the game and he's one of the best players in the history of the game. He is going to succeed whatever he chooses to do to esports. I, I actually, there's part of me. I kind of hope he steps back in a managerial role because I think he could do some great things in esports overall. He's got that kind of head on his shoulders. He's going to be fine and he's going to be around. Um, Jerax to me though, this guy has changed the game. Uh, he is literally, he came in, he made his big impact in Dota, his biggest impact in Dota, at a time post-TI5 when uh, the four-position support, TI5 and afterward, was a farming semi-core. You think about how AUI played for EG. You think about Z- how Zai played on Sad Boys EG before he take- took a break. He was a four, and he was a very greedy four. 
You think about how FY played the four position back then. I mean, this was a jungling, farming, we're going to go late game and we're going to have four cores against your three. And all of a sudden you show up to the Frankfurt major and Jerax and crit. I give the two of them a lot of credit. Jerax crit was actually the one that started with the team that eventually became OG, which was monkey business. Whereas at that point, Jerax was on uh, five youngs, which eventually became li- liquid under Kuro, but they reinvented the four position as this ganking roaming playmaker. And I think a lot of what's happened with the support position in Dota since then, where the support role has become so much more dynamic. We've seen it in patches. We've seen it now playing support. You feel like you're so much more a part of the game at every phase, including the late game now. And I think so much of that is directly attributable to those two players. Jerax, you know, to me, you follow a game over a long period of time, and the, the truly legendary players are the ones that they change the way we all play. They leave this indelible mark. And to me, you know, Jerax and Crit, that's them, man. They've they have they've just they haven't they have had such a huge footprint on the game, not just their position. I like the uh the patch came out after that announcement and then Jerax yeah. tweeted about it. He's like, wait, wait never mind. <laughs> Forget I said anything, guys, because the whole Earth Spirit buff specifically. Uh, uh, and that's, to your point, one of those heroes, of course, that uh, he transcended and really made what it is, what we know it is today or the potential, at least, of what can be. So, uh, yeah, it's when it came to just raw skill, certainly Jerax, a uh, fantastic player, and there's, there's no doubt there. Um, He's single-handedly responsible for why Earth Spear got nerfed like yeah. 12 patches yeah. in a row. Yeah. Must be some feeling to be able to have that kind of impact, of course. But, yeah, obviously, it, there's, there's the argument you guys have brought up, and that, that's definitely a very, very good point. And ultimately, I think the point of, you know, when is a, enough enough as far as you, you've hit that top point, now's a good time to retire, move on. These are still very young people in general, a lot of life ahead of them, but – Money. I mean, <laughs> TI does bring a lot of money to the table, of course, uh, especially winning it all. But to be fair, you know, money isn't everything, as they say, and yeah. uh, happiness, et cetera, yada, yada. So that, that well, would be just, the one other argument, I, I think. But I think one big thing that I've been harping on for a couple of years now that needs to change is there needs to be an off season. Yeah. You know, right now, yeah. there, there is no off season. You are literally, literally competing in the TI Grand Finals. And if you want to play the next major the first major of the next season you have to be back on online qualifiers 10 days later and that's i i that's just ludicrous i i think um, i think this season is kind of setting a precedent for that more than others to be fair and that i think valve is going to look at what happened this season with the first cycle especially and the team sitting out and being like okay may- maybe there is something we need to do to make sure there is that break so will there be you know we'll have to wait and see but i, I think we're all on the same page there certainly i will say to the- to the defense of the organizations you know i talk I'm good buddies with Blitz. Obviously, he's been a caster for a while. He's the coach of Liquid for people who don't know. He, you know, I was talking to him at the Singapore event, and even though there's no offseason, organizations nowadays are very well aware that they can't expect their sure. their players to perform at 100% all year. They just can't expect it. So whether or not that's like, you know, 
not playing in the small events, whether or not that's taking a major off. Is that the ideal system? Absolutely not. But it has become much more of a priority for organizations to emphasize the health of their players, the mental health uh, of their players. And I think that that's a, a step in the right direction. And I like the fact that at least organizations are taking it upon themselves if the uh, if like the whole system made by Valve is not adjusting. So 100 percent. I'm very happy about that. The uh, problem with that is I think, it again, that runs the risk of creating these uh, yet another situation in Dota where the rich get richer. Right. Because uh, tier two teams can't do that. Tier two teams that are looking for sponsors, uh, they, they, they can't do that for any number of reasons. It's true. And, and that that's kind of really what I worry about is, is let's get the season sorted out. Let's, let's put everybody on the same playing field. And, you know, I, I actually, I don't have a problem with the, the first major of the year being, you know, in large part, the, the top six teams from TI will sit out if that's what we want to do it. But let's, you know, let's, let's, let's put that structure in place to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I always think things bleed from the top down. Like, you know, for a while I was oh, saying yeah. if they, that if the top MMR players in the world are being incredibly toxic and ruining games, that the average 4K player is, is going to follow suit. You know, whether it takes a year, six months, whatever, for people to be like, oh, my favorite players are behaving this way in pubs. Let's do that too. You know, So do you DMA. buy into the theory that yeah. to me, because I absolutely do. I'll, 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 I probably should have waited on that. Do you buy into the theory that NA pub culture is a big part of the reason that the competitive scene struggles so badly outside of EG. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, the problem is, you know, people people watch high-level Dota, even somebody like Arteezy on stream, right? Yeah, he really did define that. You, you can't blame Arteezy because, no, like, you no. never know the impact of what you're going to do. But they watch things he does, you know, where he'll jokingly ruin the game or whatever. If you watch his games, he plays like 15 games a day. And on average out of those 15, probably one of them is absolutely unwinnable at the 15 minute mark. And that's the game that he's feeding down mid, right? The game where it's literally unwinnable. And he is so good at Dota that he is able to see that. Like he really is able to see that. And the problem is the average Dota player doesn't watch him and understand the actual times that they cannot win the game of Dota. Like they, they just think I'm in a rough game. I don't feel like playing this anymore. Arteezy walks down mid. Now I'm going to do it too. And, and these people don't Dota. see the other 14 game. The other, he, yeah. you watch his replays. He is stacking camps with his freaking courier. He's like, like he is the biggest try hard nerd in these other 14 games. And people just kind of don't see that. All they see is, Oh, the one game where he's got an asshole on his team and he's running you know, look, I'm not excusing the behavior, yeah. Yeah. but you, you, you gotta take the good with the bad and you gotta look at what it, you gotta look at the totality of what it, lo- it takes to play on that level. And the, the memeing and the running down mid ain't it chief. <laughs> yeah. The majority of NA players, I, I really do think the problem with the region is nobody actually knows how to win when you're having a tough game. Like, I don't know what it takes to like, just blow it into these people's minds. Did you guys not watch OGs two TI wins? Wasn't the Pearl definition of their yeah? Wasn't their Pearl definition of winning? Not everybody's going to have a good game. Yeah, literally, he said that a hundred times in an interview. Yeah, two out of three cores at max should have a good game. The other guy, like in pro matches, gets obliterated, and like you have to be able to play from that situation. Yep. And you have to find a way to up. not be a liability. Yes, you have to be not. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> liability. That's actually the word I use all the time. You have to not be a detriment to your team. You have to be a way 
figure out where, yes, you're not going to be impactful for the next, say, 10 minutes, but there's a difference between not being impactful and literally being an anchor. You know, like there's a big difference. And uh, that that is what I emphasize the most about the NA region. And I think it's proof why NA teams, it bleeds. It really does. Like when I play to you pubs, like I've been playing them recently because I'm living in New York for about a month. It's like, yeah, sometimes the quality of game is about the same. Like if, if I get around the same average MMR, but I haven't had a single game that people give up. Like they, they don't give up. Like it's actually I mean, mind boggling to me. I, I don't that's just in game. like for me, it's so weird. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing I talk, I, I get people asking me, okay, you know, is there the talent in NA to, to make a team that competes with EG? Hell yes. There. Okay. The, the question is the number one question I ask myself about any team long-term is how do they respond to adversity? Because like I said, Dota is the cruelest game by far I've ever played. And when you look at, you know, circle back to things like liquid, a lot of teams, it's wait a minute, you're not playing your best because you're depressed that your girlfriend's not here. What are you some kind of, and all of a sudden the team relationships deteriorate. Whereas on that team, Hey man, I'm the team captain. I'm going to fly your girlfriend out here and you're going to play like a boss. And these are opportunities and so much of what happens in NA pubs, it bleeds outside the game and it bleeds into, you know, you hear the stories about how teams treat each other and how those bonds get stressed from playing together. You've, you can't have that kind of environment and have a championship level team over time. There's gotta be, there's gotta be coaching. There's gotta be infrastructure. There's gotta be bonds in those players so that Dota is, you play Dota over any period of time, you are going to experience unbelievable levels of adversity and you've got to put yourself in position to succeed when those bad times come. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I could go on for literally 10 hours about how <laughs> the mentality of NA is just crushing to why it's not even good. I mean, people in chat make the joke and it's absolutely true. The only reason EG is the good NA team is because they have no NA players. <laughs> they have RTZ. I mean, like, they literally have RTZ. They do. And uh, I, I mean, it's like... Uh, yeah, I just, it, it's yeah. sad and to think a team like NIP is leaving the region because they know if they want to invest in the future of the of the year, you know, they're more worried about TI. They just want to be the best version of themselves six months from now. That's going to be best done by leaving NA. Like the fact is you just don't get good practice. The main reason that no. NA I think is really restricted is it's day to day. Like you, you can't yes. keep up with the EU players, for instance, when they're grinding 10 pubs a day of their quality. And you're grinding 10 pubs a day of inequality. You, you I mean, just let me tell you, you know, I did not have long, fortunately, in my life where I was the one responsible for putting together scrims. But let me tell you, man, trying to put together scrims in NA versus you go at an Trust EU. Me, I know. Oh, my God. It is. <laughs> there is no more night and day comparison I can think of. Trust me, I know. I, know. Right, I so bet you do. I've I know you do. NA needs improvements when it comes to uh, the competitive scene in Dota 2. All right. Is it ever going to happen? Probably not, but okay. <laughs> I think it will. I actually wasn't, do. I wasn't even on the subject of our <laughs> list. But sorry, it was a little a bit of a tangent. Just, just a little yeah. bit of a tangent, but, you know, I was letting you guys go. It was, it was definitely good, uh good subject matter there for sure. So, but I, I do want to keep it going though, because we are running a little bit long here. So um, the, the next obvious question now, speaking of building a team is, 
who does OG go for in terms of replacements? Now we know it's there. They essentially need three players right now. It's just Thompson and Notel that's on the roster. And, you know, not, I don't want to go too much into this, but maybe just given some three names that come to mind, I'm going to do mine first. Um, the one being Sumail has to be uh, at least a thought, right? Because we've been talking about the season, how there's there's opportunities that have come up and like, oh, well, Sumail's available. Why not get him? Oh, well, maybe there's some EG contract still with him. Something's going on clearly behind the scenes because it seems like stuff would fit, but it's just not working out. So maybe this is why, right? Because this was ultimately in the plans for for a bit longer. That's my belief, possibly at least. So Samel would be one. Then I would I would actually look at OG Seed for the other two teams. There's a reason this team exists, right? And it's not just because I mean it's a couple of reasons, but one of them has to be to maybe get it, making sure these players are practicing on a, on a very top tier level to ultimately provide them to be a part of the main roster. And I I look at players both Zibe and Z Freak as a result. Uh, Z Freak he's been a known player for a while now, uh, arguably one of the better position four players, especially out of the USA or NA more so, and then uh, arguably up there in the world as far as uh, competing with the best of them. And then Zibe he's a little bit newer of a player, but he has constantly been rising up and up. He does come from the Holland days. He's been playing off lane for a very long time now. He's very familiar, and I believe Notel is definitely familiar with him from the Holland days, speaking of that. And uh, he, he could fit him very well. It's just he knows his role when it comes to playing a very solid off lane. So those are the three names for me in those positions that I would go for. Uh, um, yes, Jeff? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh, I was just going to say that I think what they'll, they'll do a similar recipe for what they did for TI-8, where I think they're going to add – one X factor player with virtually no experience that nobody's really ever heard of um, who that is. I really have no idea <laughs> like, like, because you, if you had asked me who they're going to add for TI eight, I would have never guessed Thompson. Um, I, I'm going to assume that they're going to put the carry role as uh, it's either going to be Sumail or it's going to be somebody like that. And then depending on, they're going to have one player like that. I think they're going to have one player that nobody's ever heard of that they've seen in pubs and no tail just believes that he can mold into the player he wants. And then the other two players I think will be established players. So um, I think uh, OG seed has to have a purpose, whether or not it ends up being for this, um, you know, what, I, I don't know what else it would be for. Um, I really hope Sumail, like I, it's like, I honestly, we at this point I've kind of become skeptical if he's ever going to be on a team, you know, it's, I'm not saying he's not, but it's almost like, you know, is EG ever going to win a major? It's like, is uh, Sumail ever going to end up on a team this Sumail, season? Sumail was, uh, for my money, Sumail was the best individual mid player at TI9. I I can't, I, I he's going to be on a team by TI10. I, that's no what I'm way. saying, right? He's like so insanely yeah. good. It's like surprising he's made it this long. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I, I think the, the the name that we haven't mentioned yet is mid one, where a sure. lot of people are are wondering where he's going to end up. And I think this is a natural fit. I think uh, I think Z Freak Zach is an excellent call. Uh, he actually had an offer to play for OG uh, several years ago when he had to choose when Kyle was still on complexity and he had to choose between you know, staying with his brother or going to OG. I mean, I felt about that decision. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, you know, maybe, but no, I, I, um, so I think, I think he is a kind of a very strong possibility. I think he's going to be Jerax's successor. I really do. I think they, they go for one of, um, of uh, mid one or Sumail. And I, and I, I think that, I think you're onto something with the the offlaner, maybe somebody that we're less familiar with. Yeah. And so who would that be? Obviously at that point we really can't say, I suppose, but 
uh, there certainly is talent out there. I mean, there is, and this kind of goes back to a whole other discussion of needing more out there in terms of fostering this up-and-coming scene so we can learn more about them and provide for not only the teams but for the fans as well. But that's a whole other subject. But it's, I will say, and apparently somebody was bringing this up, I guess they've announced on Wednesday, it's actually OG Day is what they're calling or something like that, where yeah, they're yeah. going to announce, apparently, uh, the new yes. roster. That's what people believe. Okay, so... Um, we yeah, hopefully- it's already from from Charlie, um, one of their related to uh, related to Seb and one of their um, one of their exec personnel. He's basically yeah. came out today and said, look, the bad news is over. You know, we're, we don't have any more departures to announce <laughs> and we're going to we're going to clarify the, the roster and the situation uh, on on Wednesday. Yeah, no more people fading away from that graphic, man. That's that's tough to see. But uh, obviously Thompson, I, I love uh, thank God Thompson uh, in my mind is still there, at least. And of course, uh, no Toby being the captain of the year. So that's exciting knowing. I mean, we definitely talked a bit about OG here, but of course, very deserving two time TI champions after all. And they're making a big time uh, roster change here. So. Intrigued to see what that comes to um, on Wednesday, apparently, is where we're going to find out. So, okay. Uh, so, going over the OG situation there. Well, you know, while, while we're on this topic, real quickly, I, I, did you guys see the whole uh, Dendy news? Uh, what is it? Baited? Yeah. Baited his Baited, new gaming yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'm not – it was it was basically a tease, right? Yeah. It was, it was a good tease. I actually it was It was video. well produced, yeah, right? Was, the, the, the YouTube video was really clever. But um, it's, I apparently it's, need to watch this. I did not see the shit. You didn't see it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's. I mean, it's 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 cute, but there's not much in the way of information content. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's something uh, something to come of that, of course. And you got to figure, obviously, it would be involved in Dota too. Who that'll be, you know, we'll see too. But uh, so so we'll look out for more news on that, I suppose. Um, but okay, again, we are running a little bit longer here, but it would we have to at least bring up the patch that did come out after the major uh, yesterday within the hour it was released and it wasn't a minor balance change pass. I mean, this definitely had some substance to it. Uh, some, some bigger changes certainly coming about affecting the neutral items, removing shrines. That's a pretty big deal. Moving uh, the outposts and where they are now as a result, as well near where the shrines would have been no longer there. Uh, so uh, Nahas, we'll start with you. I mean, from this patch, just briefly, some bigger changes that really stand out to you competitive-wise. So big picture, the two changes. Uh, the shrines are obviously one that I think is absolutely massive. I re- I love the change. I think that, um, you know, there were long periods of the game where the sh- those shrines just became no-fly zones. Where yeah, the, dead zones, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they created these dead zones on the map where the other team – you know, minus the perfect initiation and the perfect warding, you just t- you couldn't take a fight. And I think changing those into outposts, it's a strategic objective that doesn't necessarily favor either team beyond the terrain itself. And I think that that leads to faster pace play. It leads to kind of, you know, creating these secondary objectives around the map, which is what we wanted to do in the first place with shrines. Um, I The other thing to me is the removal of the GPM talent. And it's, it's it's really interesting how they balanced it because the way I'm reading most of the individual hero changes, most of the heroes that got GPM talents removed at level 10 and 15, it feels like a pretty big nerf. I but agree. the heroes that got their level 20 
GPM talents removed. When you talk about Chen, all of a sudden has the minus 30 second hand of God cooldown, disruptor true sight on kinetic field. Like it feels like some of the level 20 GPM talents, they became really interesting. And I really like those changes. I, I, I think eventually the heroes that like the level 10 and 15 GPM talents for much of their life cycle were the big were bigger balance wise anyway. And so I think the heroes that got hit by that, you know, may eventually end up needing to be buffed again. Interesting. Yes, sir. I mean, overall, when they introduced neutral items and all the outposts and the way the courier GPM worked at the start of the patch, when 7.23 got released, I think all of the things they did had a good, like they had a good idea of why they did them. And I think that the intentions were good, but at the end of the day, Like much, all so. these GPM talents and stuff were added because heroes were struggling to be impactful. And then suddenly GPM literally became the defining trait for a support hero. I remember there was one game that I was drafting like with a good player. I think it might've been in like FPL or something. And they said to fourth pick bounty hunter. And the reason was the enemy supports, neither of them had a GPM talent. So they couldn't <laughs> afford centuries. Like that was the idea of a bounty hunter. Yeah. And I'm like, Wait, this pick is being influenced sheerly by the fact that they have no GPM talents? Like, what? Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and now that you have neutral items, there's just too much that was for free, right? That, that was just... actually like, you. it's crazy, but this is one thing I noticed last year at Lands when you talked with some of the high level drafters, like when they got into those third and fourth picks, that's a lot of what they're looking at. Hmm. And yeah. the support economy and how you can punish that. To me, GPM talents when they were first introduced were like were great. They were great ideas. They were intended to help these heroes whose economy otherwise tended to suffer as the game went on stay competitive and have more strategic options. But there's been all of these changes in the background to help supports, you know, TP's cheap, wards don't cost anything, everybody's got a courier blah 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 that these these GPM talents uh, they felt like overcompensating. And they felt like things that got exploited rather than, hey, the hero really needs this to be viable and to feel effective in different game states. And that's I I, I thought it was again, this is one of those I think I thought the last patch and I think you may have been going toward this in some of your comments was just a lot of individual good ideas, but just too much. Yeah. Piled on top of one another. And I think this patch is is just starting to clean all that up, starting to step back, consolidate the good ideas, refine some of what we've liked about Dota so far this season. I, I think 724 is going to ultimately, it's, I think the patch that we'll play TI on will ultimately be pretty similar. I think this is going to be a good one. I, this may be a bold statement, you know, no tail kind of said it in an interview. Um, I, I really liked most of the changes they introduced in 7.23, barring like the natural wackiness that they threw into the game that wasn't really anticipated. Um, and I personally think that 7.24 and whatever patch ends up getting played on a similar level of balance will be one of the funnest, if not the funnest patches in yeah. all of Dota history. I think it's like actually so good and I, I feel like if you're complaining about it as a player you just don't like change like I, I i there's been patches where i've been like what you know when they when they when i see a certain change i think every single change they made this patch was just so well thought out like that's what i, I was like wow like the way they fixed the neutral items even the way they balanced heroes like pl and slark 
the way they like nerf the broken heroes, but like not really. Like they nerfed them slightly, right. and then they buffed the weaker heroes slightly. I think a lot of heroes because of the neutral items and the way that the game was played with shrines and everything that the things on the map actually dictated which heroes utilized those things better, and they those heroes were just better. And yes. I think that those were, those were almost more impactful on the balance than actually nerfing the broken heroes. I think the broken heroes were broken because they utilized the resources that were for free on the map way better than all the other heroes. So I think that like you know people would be like PL barely got touched, Slark barely got touched, et cetera, et cetera. But like I actually think those heroes got drastically affected. Like even the Battle Fury buff, you know, uh, to affect illusion heroes, like. And heroes like Jug and PA that were previously not viable, Anti-Mage that even though he was picked really didn't look very good. Uh, I just think every buff, like it all just made so much sense to me. I don't think I've ever really thought of a patch that way and maybe I'm just overhyping it, but I I'm super excited about this patch. I've played a few games on it so far. The neutral item, like quality of life that they've done to it where you can like teleport the items back to the base. love the UI. It feels so good. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah, everything from, yeah, there's still some bugs to iron out and everything, but like that's not a concern to me. They'll fix it you know, on valve time or whatever. But I, I thoroughly, I, I feel like last patch, there were so many heroes 7.23. I'm talking about that simply because of the rules of the game were unplayable. And yes. that to me was the one problem 100%. with the new patch. And I think that they've fixed almost all of it. And I, yeah. and I will say probably we'll need a little bit more and we're good. It's just, it, it, it there are a lot of ideas felt like a very, this feels like a very refined patch. Right. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's to some extent we go through this cycle every year where Valve worries that, you know, and, and they'll tell you as much. Right. They worry that after TI, there's a little bit of a dead period. The game starts to feel stale. And so they got to inject some freshness into the game again. So the, the, the post TI patch is always lots of big ideas. But but it's always, you know, I'm an economist, so I have to say this, but it's always the law of unintended consequences that bites you in the butt. And, and this patch felt like they'd recognized a lot of the un unintended consequences I was just talking about and really put the polish on some of those changes and thought about the kind of mechanics that are going to make a much, much wider pool of not just heroes, but tempos viable. Right. I, I, yeah. anyway, I, I, and I think you gotta, you gotta love late game Dota, right? I mean, late game Dota is just a cluster and it's a fun one. And I think the the missing piece to me was there were too many things like dead zones induced by shrines, like repair kit, which I still think needs to go where the way Dota works right now is late game Dota is so crazy. And so effectively, if you have a lead in the mid game, you are strategically punished very severely for not yes. being able to finish the game. Indeed. But I think now a lot of these changes are made with an eye toward if you are able to get that mid game advantage, you're going to be able to consolidate that lead. Whereas if the, if the other team makes a couple plays to get to the late game, then it's on. And I, I, I kind of think strategically both as a player and just somebody that watches a lot more Dota these days than I play. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I, I don't want to know who wins the game at 10 minutes, you know? Yeah, no, no one wants that. We all saw TI four. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Players or spectators for that matter. And kind of my perspective, just a, a take on the patch too, from, from a spectator perspective and one that, you know, really watches the competitive scene a lot out there. Sure. It's also, there were some great changes in my opinion that, that came from this patch as well. Not only just the entertainment and maybe the more action, the objective base, the placement of the bounty rooms. Now you could argue uh, more action from that, but the, 
decentivizing uh, buyback, I guess you could say, to say they nerfed the buyback. Oh, or, thank you. Yeah, right? <laughs> where it just these fights would literally last two, three minutes. I felt like on Roshan because you just hear the dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun, after a death I mean, and it just keeps didn't happening. Didn't it feel to you, Brian, that in so many of these drafts that the, the long cooldown heroes were because you're an enigma and you all oh yeah oh, all five of them just brought back bought back well you know it's like it's like a wraith king yeah essentially yeah and a couple i mean a couple like of players said as much as interviews one of the rules of the game that just makes certain heroes unplayable right yeah. yeah and so like that's another example that i almost forgot about but i definitely remembered in my games yesterday when one of my buyback costs like mid game was like oh, yeah. way higher than i remembered it being um yeah, that I mean, the balance of buybacks is like another mechanic that's very, very impactful to certain heroes. You know, Shoot. like you said, if you're a long cooldown hero that is countered by buybacks, uh, the 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 power level of buybacking is drastically impacting on your viability. And I and I think that uh, also heroes, you know, even like a storm spirit type hero that are really good with buybacks naturally yeah. go up way better, or like you know they drastically uh, benefit from having those exist. So I, I just think overall, like all the things that I hated about watching this patch or last patch, like if there was ever a game that I just really didn't enjoy watching for whatever reason, all of those reasons have been addressed. Whether or not they're perfectly addressed is, is to be determined. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really still... like what they did to the tier five items as well. Yeah. Uh, I think like the tier five one. items were kind of just a myth that <laughs> if they eventually happen, the game is just like randomly over. Um, and I think that with the new neutral item balance and the way they changed those items, um, we're going to see them. You know, there are plenty of 60-minute games compared yeah. to 70-minute games. And also, the items just aren't fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, less, they're less nuts, less at least. Yeah, I mean, they're and still I, good, right? But You know, and I think the buyback thing, too, um, you know, one of the big problems that we saw in 2-3 was, was support power creep with these neutral items. All of a sudden, you got these ridiculously tanky supports, uh, you know, 20 minutes into the game. They could have very low net worth and still be still have really good stats and they have cheap buyback. So not only are you having to eat through a 1500 HP rubric or some crap, you got to do it twice in a mid game fight. And yeah. I, I think that was one of the big, I, to me, the buyback change was aimed at, was aimed at supports because yeah. you, you, you get these, you get these teams that are so good. Like they're, they buy back on their four and five at like 12, 15 minutes yeah. and they get so much out of those fights. I mean, that's the reason why I think Slark Peel were the two best carries. Why? Because yep. to kill you once they didn't have to invest much. Slark like benefits from you being alive again, right? Being <laughs> tanky and PL like as a hero just pokes you down and then eventually kills you. He doesn't actually have to invest heroes like jug PA, uh, void you yeah. know these heroes can't play dota when a support has an extra 500 health and a buyback yeah. they, they, they mean, just can't play dota for a while it for a while it, in in some of these tournament games it felt like if you didn't have a core with a stat stealing mechanic you were just you were just done in some of these fights and i i, I do think that several of the changes in this in this patch address that yeah it's going to be a fun one, man. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know when the qualifiers actually start. I assume, obviously soon, <laughs> within the next couple of weeks right here for the next cycle of majors and uh, going to start seeing action sooner than later. And then what, one last thing we didn't even mention yet is Void Spirit and Snapfire, of course, now introduced in Captain's oh, yeah. mode. So that's going to be another fun thing to look out for, both on the spectator and, of course, for the players themselves. So let's get some mail back on a team so we can see that voice for it <laughs> yeah right i'm ready something tells me man wednesday is coming and uh we may get some now this actually on the note real quickly before we start to wrap up here 
Um, somebody linked a picture in chat of OG and others at a dinner that they're at for the uh, for True Sight tomorrow. Soxa is there in person, and he's another name that actually has been brought up as a possible replacement uh, for position four. So, very uh, good player. That's uh, yeah. I, of course, I think he would more likely be the three than yeah. the four, but I actually. I think he's pretty happy as coach. Honestly, hmm. we'll see. We'll see. You, you, you never know. I, you, it, 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 Seb taking over the coach role and Saxa coming in as, as a as a. Uh, no, 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 you were talking about uh, Sak. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I, I heard Sachka, but I was going to um, say. I know. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> I, I I heard I heard another. Um, that actually would be wow. That would be another really good fit alongside Z Freak. Sorry for the for the miss here there. No, Socks are the, the tall one, right? He's a, yeah, the tall, the tall, tall brown guy. Yep, yep. That guy, yeah. Formerly a DC, I believe, right? Back in the days. Yeah, formerly and and and, and, and a, like a what? He's like a nine K player too. Yeah, he's like he has like three different nine K accounts. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's pretty good. He's really good. He's pretty good. All right, so yeah, that that may be a possibility. Of course, evidence there that. There you go. Maybe, maybe him as well as uh, position four, position three, maybe. But yeah, he, he comes from position four, so you'd have to figure that's where it would fit in. Mm-hmm. All right, I think uh, I think we made it though, guys. A little bit over the time, but nothing wrong with that. Plenty of content to go over. Yeah, and there's nothing like there really isn't anything wrong with that, especially you know having the Haas on. And I really do appreciate you you joining us, and always always My fun to talk with you. So, any shout outs, anything else from yourself before we wrap up? No, I shout out to the two of you guys. You're doing a great job with this podcast and happy to come on anytime. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, man. BSJ, you got anything? No, I've said enough today as always, but even (laughs) more so today than usual. So until next time. All right, we are going to officially start wrapping up then. So, ladies and gentlemen, really do appreciate you guys tuning in. By the way, hit that follow button and also subscriptions to the channel do help as well. Uh, support uh, Prediction Esports, the overseer, as far as these podcasts here for esports. Uh, of course, this is the Dota 2 one, being the Wombo Combo, but uh, definitely appreciate your support in any way. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, uh, both personally as well as the Prediction Esports Twitter as well for more updates. So, shout out to you guys tuning in. Thanks once again to Haas for joining us, and we'll see you next time next week. More Wombo Combo podcast action. Until then, guys.